You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a warm, muggy, sunny Monday afternoon here in God's Zone, Knoxville, Tennessee, coming to you just a couple of miles away from Neyland Stadium, where Tennessee obviously will not be opening the season. The Vols are heading to Nashville uh, to, to play Virginia here in about 12 days at Nissan Stadium, and then Tennessee will come home and play at Neyland Stadium the next week. But regardless, just a couple miles away from campus where Tennessee earlier on Monday morning just finished preseason camp. We got a lot to discuss on this episode, so we're going to bring in the full staff to do it. I'm going to go down the list here on this video call. It says, in order, Ben McKee, Patrick Brown, and Ryan Callahan. Fellas, how are we doing today? Doing well. How are y'all? I'm good. It's that point of camp. Uh, as we were talking off air before we started recording that, uh, Ben, you're like, he said, hi, Josh, I said something that we already wrote about. And it's just like, it's that point of camp. You're like, all right, let's just get to the game. Yeah, they. it's, 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 it's been three weeks. Let's just get on with it. Yeah, it's, it's that point in camp where it's the end. <laughs> so um, it's, it's basically over and there's not much more for, I'm sure players are tired of hitting each other. It, it, it's just about time to to play a game and and, and see what we've got. We've 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 exhausted every every storyline just about you know touched on everything about this team uh, as much as we can and and now we don't even get to see any more practice. So let, let's play football. Yeah, Saturday they they brought in the specialists for interviews and, and normally that's about the time in camp unofficially where you're like okay this this thing's about to end. Uh, what once they it, uh, specialists are people too, but when they come in for interviews uh, during camp, normally that is toward the tail end of camp. And the way Tennessee's done this is basically there's sort of a natural break in the schedule the next couple of days because fall semester classes have started. As you've noticed, if you've been driving around downtown Knoxville or if you have tried to park your vehicle on Tennessee's campus, you would know obviously the the freshmen are on campus. Uh, the, the the big move-ins have started. Classes are about to start so Tennessee has kind of a nice break here because you you get a day or two um, to say camp has kind of concluded then you kind of reset and then you start here in just a couple days preparing in earnest for Virginia which is obviously the season opening game a power five game but but a game against the team that is not a great team A, a team Tennessee should be expected to take care of business against but the point is there's sort of a nice little so you get kind of this week as a preview of a game week if you're the coach so you kind of get some things in order and then next week you really it's here like the season is here right 12 days or so uh, not far from now Tennessee will kick off the ball uh, before noon unfortunately uh, central time um, but that's fake time it doesn't exist and, and it's noon real time there 
in Nashville. So, guys, we got a couple things to discuss on this podcast, but the bottom line is this is sort of the end of camp. So that's a good time to say what did Tennessee want to do in camp? What would have been sort of a pie-in-the-sky outstanding camp? What would have been a great camp? What would have been a good camp? And did Tennessee get done what it needed to do? Now, obviously, you're not going to get everything done that you want to get done, but that's just how coaches think, right? It's like Heupel said on Monday, right? You, you, you never know. You would never have enough time to do everything you want to do. Nothing is ever the way you want it to be exactly. But eventually, the, the sort of sand goes through the hourglass. It's time to play the game, and you got to go. So well, I guess we'll start with Pat. What did you think Tennessee needed to do in camp, and do you think it got done? Uh, I, I've kind of focused on a couple of position battles. Um, two big question marks, I think, on either side of the ball the offensive line and the secondary. And did we find answers about this team during these past three weeks or so? It's kind of hard to say because uh, both those groups were kind of hit with uh, some absences yep. that sort of threw a wrench into what the plans otherwise might have been. Obviously, on the offensive line, it's with Cooper Mays at center. He's been out for a bit. Will he play against Virginia? We'll see. We'll have a, you know, we'll get a better idea of it as we get closer to that game. Then in the secondary, you got two starters there that, uh, at star with Tamari McDonald and at safety with Wesley Walker, who they basically missed most of camp. Uh, they've been back in drills over the last you know few days, but I don't. They didn't scrimmage either time, so um, that on one hand that gave you a chance to give some other guys some looks. The Andre Turrentines of the world, uh, you know, Ollie Lane at center for Mays and and kind of opening up that left guard spot. But um, I think a couple of those how are those position groups going to look? We, we don't really have a firmer grasp, do we? I mean, um, and obviously those are position groups that if you look at Tennessee's offense, you feel good about some of the skill spots, but you know, can the offensive line, you know, maintain where they were last season? It's tough to know because we don't know what exactly that group is going to look like. Same kind of goes for the secondary where they obviously need to improve. So uh, I think on the offensive line, you know, it depends on where does, you know, when does Cooper come back? How do they work him back in having not had any camp? Um, I think you could see some rotation at, at right tackle and left guard in particular. Seems like we're headed that way. Those competitions kind of going out, uh, on into the season. The secondary, I think they're going to rotate a corner. Will they rotate three guys, four guys, even more? We'll see. Um, do they play two guys at star? And they kind of did that last year with McDonald and Walker. Are they going to play more than the starters at safety? Josh Apple did say on Monday they're going to play a lot of guys in the secondary. We, we just don't really know what those rotations are going to necessarily look like. Um, until they get to camp. So th those are two position groups that I think were important coming in. Did we get everything ironed out there that we needed to uh, in terms of learning about what, what those position groups going to look like, who's going to play, all that kind of stuff? Not really. Um, but I think Tennessee probably benefited maybe from having some of those more proven guys out that you know gave some other guys some chances to uh, to show what they can do. I I tend to think that they – you know, I guess, I guess it's hard for us without having seen, you know, much actual football to know how much progress they've made on the on the offensive line. But I I tend to think that the injury to Cooper Mays did, uh, or his absence, I should say, did prevent them from getting um, solidified the way you would want on the offensive line. You know, they're not going into the season feeling good about who their starting five is going to be because the linchpin of that offensive line has been out, and that's kind of thrown everything out of whack. Um, so that they have been able to explore some important contingency plans though. And that will, that could have some real value this season. We'll see if that benefits them in the long run, but it has made things a little more, um, 
this just feel off i think throughout the throughout the preseason and it's probably exposed that they are are lacking in proven depth uh, at, at a couple spots which you know we'll see how much that maybe helps them uh, offset that a little bit with some of the work they got done during camp but i do think they got some things done in the secondary and uh and at the other spot on defense that i thought was a little bit of a question mark maybe not the right word but just at least uh you didn't know exactly what they had there and they needed to needed to to take some steps. And I think that's the at, at edge rusher. I think they showed enough um, progress at that position, this this camp, that I, I I think they should feel better about where they are and, and probably do with James Pierce and Joshua Josephs, guys like that, at least showing signs of being more consistent to where they, they, they've got a real chance to, to have a pretty good year. In the secondary, I think there's a lot of competition there. And like Patrick said, I think you're definitely going to see some some rotation at least at cornerback, probably at, at another position. But we'll see, you know how how much uh, how much rotation there is at, at the star position at safety. You know, I'm a little skeptical of the safety talk. Um, there being a lot of rotation, but Andre Turrentine looks like a guy that could um, could play. You know, we'll see what they do with star. Does Warren Burrell or Brandon Turnage or anyone else fit in there? I, I feel pretty confident Gabe Judy Lally is at least going to play at corner. So they've They've gotten a lot of things done in the in the secondary, and those those two guys being out for a while didn't didn't totally derail what they were getting done there. But on the offensive line, it feels like kind of a you know, maybe maybe kind of an incomplete if you were grading them. It just didn't feel like it was a a, a perfect camp. But at the same time, maybe the chaos uh, will will sort of serve some purpose in the long run because it gave them a chance to explore some areas where they were clearly short on some proven depth and and didn't have certain answers uh, going into camp. I think it was a successful fall camp for Tennessee because they got better on both sides of the football. Uh, how, how good uh, defensively we'll, we'll see when they get into the thick of, of conference play and uh, the back end of September. I, I don't really think that Virginia and Austin P are going to offer up uh, much of a, a challenge for Tennessee. So I do feel like we're going to have to to wait a little while longer to to really learn about this football team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I think offensively, we know that they're going to be pretty good. There's still a, a fairly large question mark about the offensive line, but I think the fact that uh, th- this scheme can can help an offensive line, I, I think that certainly helps ease that question mark, I guess, going into the season. Uh, but uh, aside from that, by all accounts, I mean, the, the, the running backs, the receivers, the, the tight ends, the, the quarterbacks – I mean, it's it's been nothing but week after week after week of assistant coaches, coordinators, the head coach, and players bragging on one another. And and I don't think it's I don't think it's just preseason positive vibes that that you always hear. I I think it's genuine uh, because I, I think that Tennessee has a, a good culture, a a good football program now that develops its players, and and that's why you hear so much optimism coming out of the offseason so I I do think they got better offensively and uh, I I think moving guys around defensively and 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 getting guys thrown into the mix I think they've gotten better on that side of the ball as well although we'll see how much better they've gotten once they they finally start playing other people uh to to just leave it at a baseline Wes I mean I mean I kind of think objective number one one a one b in addition to making sure you simply get better as silly and as simple as that sounds is staying healthy and obviously you've got a couple guys nicked up Cooper Mays most notable uh some question marks uh, around Elijah Simmons and, and Kamal Haddon 
Uh, but for the most part, every, this this team's healthy. It, it's healthy, uh, and it's not a hundred percent healthy, but it's football. And they've gone through three weeks of fall camp. You're not going to go ten for ten, a hundred for a hundred. You're, you're not going to be a hundred percent healthy at this point. But I think they're as healthy as you can expect to be at this point, given the fact that they just completed fall camp. Yeah, I, I would say that if you could make a list of like a Mount Rushmore of guys this team just can't afford to lose, I 100% would have Cooper Mays on that list. I, I'm pretty sure everyone on this podcast would probably have Cooper Mays on that list just because of the the way that he directs sort of as the, the you know, you'd call the obviously the quarterback, the point guard of the offense, but in some ways the center is actually the point guard. He's the one who sets the tempo. He's the one who sets the pace. He's the one who gets everybody going. And and if you're not as fast as you need to be at center and, and not as quick thinking, not as quick moving, it's difficult to play at the tempo Tennessee wants to play a lot of the time. So it is unfortunate that he was not there this camp, and that might hurt um, – that might hurt sort of some, some continuity things, some guys getting used to playing with each other things. However – it might be a blessing in disguise later in the year, right? I mean, maybe he he gets you know some of that stuff out of the way now. Maybe he um, you know comes back healthier as a result and doesn't get hurt worse. Maybe some other guys learn how to play in case he does get hurt. So there there's there they have options to go with there. I don't think it's necessarily the end of the world. And I think because Tennessee's playing the schedule that it's playing, right? And and so. You're going to really, you know, knock on wood, obviously, you're going to week three without a challenge, right? Like your first two games are they're, they're layups, right? I mean, let's just call them what they are. Virginia and Nashville, then you come back for Austin P. Those are that's a that's a layup and then an even easier layup. So it maybe helps in some ways. If you were opening like with one of these big, huge showcase games or something against a huge, you know, top ten, even a top twenty-five team that would probably be more of a concern. But I think because of the way it's gone, you'd like to have Mays and and Milton have as many reps as they could together. But maybe in the long run, it's not a terrible thing at all, guys. Maybe it's not. I don't know. I mean, maybe it, maybe it is. I just don't. I think if you're trying to look through the glass half full, you could see something beneficial about that. Well, this has been a, a storyline all offseason. Dating back to the spring, it was something that, that – everyone said that they needed to figure out because the past two years, if, if Cooper went down, they could just slide Jerome Carvin over there and Jerome yep. Carvin's played, he started 40 something football games in the sec and has, you know, he's playing in, in the NFL right now. He's on NFL roster. So um, you don't have that luxury anymore. So um, I guess Cooper being out, he missed some time in the spring too. Um, but you know, the spring and, and preseason camp, they're, they're, let's be honest, they're different animals. So, um, when that happens, you know, a few weeks before the season starts, it's different urgency. It's, you know, yeah. you got to figure it out because you don't have any other option. You don't have four more months to figure it out. So, um, they, and they tried some different things there. You know, I think they probably wanted Addison Nichols to to be that guy. Uh, seems like Ollie Lane is going to be that guy. And now you side him over. He was probably going to be the guy at left guard. So now you're maybe throwing Nichols in there. How ready is he? Uh, Andre Karak has seemingly come, you know, risen from the ashes. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Um, I, it, I don't want to say he was written off coming out of the first scrimmage, but you weren't hearing great things, and he'd been banged up. But um, he started the second scrimmage, and you know, maybe he settled in there and uh, and started to to show some things there. But um, you take Cooper out, I mean, it's it's impossible to have your your best offensive line if that guy's not in it. So um, that's the challenge, and. Um, I, I do think it's a positive that John Campbell kind of took over left tackle. That's probably something that's been good. 
Um, and then obviously they've got really three options they could plug in at right tackle. So, you know, I wonder who's going to be the odd man out there potentially. Who's going to be the odd man out if they only rotate three or four corners? I mean, um, so, you know, so those are things that we're just going to have to wait and see. But uh, I do think with Cooper, him being out, I don't want to say it was a blessing in disguise because you, you'd rather not have him on the sideline at all. You'd rather have him play 800, 900, however many staffs he played last season where he barely, barely missed any meaningful action. Um, but again, if, you know, if you get into early November and he turns an ankle or something, you've, you've at least maybe been prepped for this position, this situation, and, uh, maybe it'll be better for it, but only time will tell if that's really the case. Yeah. I don't know if, if, if blessing in disguise was the right term. I think you're right about that, Pat. I think maybe not the worst thing you could imagine would maybe be a better way to, to phrase that because there there's, it's not, it's not the worst thing you could imagine that maybe some other guys get thrown into other roles and then, so they're ready for them later if they need to be, but Probably not. I, I, I will say this, though. I think it's easy to, to look at things, and we say this all the time about so, so many different things. It's easy to kind of look in a vacuum and just see Tennessee, right? And you look at concerns that Tennessee has. And that doesn't mean that they're not real. They're, they're very real. There are some concerns on this team that are legitimate concerns going into the season. But I would posit that if you go anywhere around the country, let's look at the people who have been recruiting at the highest level for a number of years now and have stacked their rosters, right? I'm talking Kirby Smart. Uh, I'm talking Ryan Day. I'm talking Nick Saban. Uh, to a certain extent, you know, Dabo and the way they've recruited for the most of the past decade. You go there and those teams that have been recruiting at the highest level for, for a long time, even those teams, you look at them, they're not going to be happy with some things. Like Kirby Smart right now, if you asked him, I bet he could come up with 10 things about his team that are concerning to him, even though anyone in the country would trade rosters with him at the snap of a finger because that's the level they've recruited to. If you ask Nick Saban, certainly at quarterback, obviously, there's some, some, some questions there. But otherwise, throughout the roster, right? I mean, he's got all these five stars, yada, yada, yada. There's going to be some things that, that he won't love. Ryan Day, same thing, even though they'll beat the crap out of you know 90% of that league they play in they're still going to have some concerns about some, some things on the roster. There's no team anywhere at the college level, at the NFL level. None of them are happy with their depth because that's just – there's no perfect situation, right? There's no perfect team. Well, and Tennessee's still going into to year three. I, I think people – I've said it a million times this offseason. Because of what last season was, people forget that last year was just year two and that this will be year three. And just because Tennessee was, was able to to really get it going last year and, and win double-digit games, that doesn't mean that they are already well-positioned to go compete for a championship. Do I think they, they are positioned to potentially make a run to Atlanta and, and, and make the college football playoffs? Absolutely. Uh, just on culture and scheme and, and belief in, in one another alone, the these – this Tennessee team is capable of of making it to Atlanta. I really do believe that, and and, and making the college football playoffs, and and, and not just culture and and coaching. I mean, there there's quite a bit of talent, even veteran talent on this roster. I, I don't want to minimize the the talent of the roster, but the point that I'm getting to, Ryan, is like there are spots within the roster on both sides of the ball to where Tennessee is an injury or two away from being in a serious situation to where it could cost them football games to, to where 
Tennessee's actually a better team, but because they got banged up in this area or that area, the, the, the scoreboard doesn't indicate that, okay, well, Tennessee is actually a good football team. The scoreboard doesn't indicate that on Saturdays because of the lack of depth in some areas, and that's mostly on the defensive side of the ball, obviously. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, receivers, running backs, quarterback position, I mean, I think those those three spots are, are in great, great spots. Um, but there, there's concern about depth along the offensive line, and there's even concern about depth at tight end. Like McCollin Castles and, and Jacob Warren and Ethan Davis, they, they've all had terrific off seasons and, and a terrific fall camp. But if if they get banged up, I mean, Tennessee doesn't have anybody after after those couple of guys. So th- this this to me, like what Wes and, and and what Patrick are talking about, is is just kind of a reminder that. Tennessee's in, in year three, and, and there are going to be some instances uh, until they get into year four and year five and the depth and, and whatnot is established. Like There's still going to be some some spots on this roster that if it doesn't stay healthy, it, it's going to make the coaching staff even more nervous than the typical things that make a, a coach nervous this time of year. Yeah, yeah I, I completely agree. And that's, you know, let's not forget quarterback where they're an injury away from Nico Iamaliava being the only scholarship quarterback available. So, um, yeah, there there are several spots. I think a few of the bigger worries, at least numbers wise, are on offense. Like you said, tight end, only four scholarship guys there. Even receiver, for that matter, only only seven or eight guys there uh, on scholarship. So, they, yeah, there are definitely still signs of it being year three and still being a roster that's not ideal, even though they are back closer to 85 scholarships than they've been in a long, long time. So it's a, it's a much better roster top to bottom. There are reasons to be very optimistic about it. And they, they even have several positions now where the depth is getting really good. You know, linebacker looks really healthy, for instance, where you can, you can look at the the list of guys there and say, wow, they've got a, a pretty promising freshman like like Jeremiah T. Lander, who's going to have a hard time playing anything but special teams. Now that that's a good sign. That's a sign of healthy depth in the secondary. You know, five seniors who've been competing for playing time during preseason camp. Uh, a few talented freshmen at cornerback who who might not really have much of a role on defense at least to start the season. You know, th- those are really good signs about how they've built the roster, but. To Ben's point, it is still a, a bit of a flawed roster. It still has some shortcomings in some areas where they they need to stay healthy. They need to have a pretty um, a, a pretty injury free season for the most part at some of those positions if they're going to really make a run to, at a championship. So, yeah, I, I think you learned some things about this uh, this team and this uh, and this roster. But uh, th- there have been some reminders at times for sure that this team needs to stay healthy in some key spots if they're going to have the type of year. Some people are expecting, you know, where they can actually, you know, make a run at at a, at a Georgia or an Alabama, you know, and have a chance to be toward the top of the SEC again. Yeah, that situation at linebacker is completely different from the way that it's been really for a few years now. I mean, it's been a while since Tennessee's had what you would call some pretty good options at linebacker that aren't like guaranteed to start. But um, even Wes, real quick, like even like that spot, like it. it it still wouldn't be an ideal situation. Like, do I think Arian Carter is capable of having an impact as a true freshman? Absolutely. But you don't want to throw a true freshman into the deep end in the SEC if if you can avoid it unless they're a an Eric Berry type of talent. And who knows? Maybe Arian Carter is that 
generational freshman type that that can come in and, and have an impact. I don't want to label him Eric Berry or somebody like that, but you, you know what I mean. The 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 rare five stars in football that that are able to to come in, and I know he wasn't a five star. At least I don't think. Did he end up being a five star at the end, Ryan? He was not a five star. He he was a top two hundred uh, player in, in the rankings, but he. I will say to your point, I think he's he may be closer to that Eric Berry category. I, I personally, I, I think he is good enough to start as a true freshman. We'll we'll see. I could be wrong about that, but I think if Keenan Peely wasn't there, I think we'd be talking about Tennessee feeling good about Arian Carter as a starter. Just the situation sort of makes it easy for them to ease him in a little bit more and maybe make him just more of a rotational guy. Yeah, and, and that that's a really great point. And uh, it, I guess it feels like he was a five star because of the manner in which we are talking about him now, and it, and it feels yeah. like a and, and a the way and, and the way the recruiting for him was down the stretch too. I mean, he was recruited like a five star by a lot of people. Yes, I mean, he, and he was given the the five star jersey number. He looks like a five star physically. He's talked about like a five star, but uh, and you're probably right, Ryan. Like he 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 is probably going to contribute in a major way as a true freshman. But even that room. To, to get back to the point that I was going to make, the main point is like the the depth in that room, like it, it did get flipped rather quickly, but it's still a whole lot of young depth in that room. And I would still expect for there to be some growing pains if it has to really rely on that young depth. Uh, Elijah Herring, Arian Carter, Jeremiah Tlander, Caleb Perry. Uh, I, I, I think Jalen Carter is, is really going to have to fight for, for some snaps this year, but just to, for the sake of including his name, like the, those guys, like they, they've barely played SEC football. The, the true freshmen obviously haven't played any of it. And Elijah Herring hasn't played a ton unless I'm just misremembering his snap count, but I, I don't feel like he played a, a ton, a ton last year as a, as a true freshman. So even though the, the talent looks much better and the, the depth is looking much better at, at really all three levels of, of the defense, uh, like you don't want to have to rely on, on that youthfulness because, Yes, the defense will be better because of that young influx of, of talent, but there's still probably going to be some growing pains, Patrick. Yeah, but I mean, like you said, you, you want to, if you're going to have to play freshman, you want to play the Aryan Carters of the world, not, you know, some guys, some of these guys, uh, like those young corners, if you had to throw them out there, I mean, uh, it's, it's not, you know, it's tough as a, as a freshman cornerback in, in the SEC because the other team knows you're a freshman and they're going to put their best guy on you and they're going to throw it at you until you uh, prove otherwise or, or prove that you can you can stop it. So, um, and, and that's, a, you know, a cornerback in particular, you know, last year they had so many injuries they had to just play was available. Um, but like you said, Ben, there, there, there's unknowns really all across this roster. I mean, what are James Pierce and Josh Joseph's going to look like? We've heard a lot of good things about Pierce this month, but, you know, is he actually going to go out there and, and produce five, six, seven sacks this season? Um, you know, Omar Norman Lott's a guy that's been talked about a lot. What's his transition like? Keenan Peely, even some of these veteran guys that have, have had good off seasons that continue to progress, you know, Dante Thornton, Colin Castles. Um, you know, they everybody's gotta go out there and do it at some point, whether you're a six year senior or you're you're you know, you're a freshman. So um, but I, I yeah, I, I think there's areas to feel good about on this football team. You feel good about the defensive line and linebacker. Um, you like that you have a lot of options in the secondary. Um, and, and I've always sort of defaulted. I know this is sort of the easy answer, but they're going to score a lot of points on offense. doesn't really matter who's running it. They're going to find ways to score points um, You know, with Cooper Mays at center, with him not. If Joe Milton stubs his toe and has to sit out the first game, you know, they're going to find ways to put up points just because that's what they do. So um, there's reason to be excited about the running backs, the receivers. Uh, 
a lot of people are excited about Joe Milton. So uh, there's a lot of reasons to be excited about, but there's always that unknown at this point of the season where you're like, okay, what do we learn about this team? And now they you, they got to go out and you got to see what they look like on Saturdays. Yeah, I think the the point that I was making earlier, and I I don't think I made it the best way that I could make it. I I think that you could always look for any roster and you could look for reasons to be concerned about things. Like that's why even the, the, the Georgias and Bamas and Ohio States and Clemson's of the world will, who, who have been recruiting at the highest level for years, even they've got concerns about their roster. So, so Tennessee, the situation Heupel took over a couple of years ago, of course, no matter what he was going to do in those first couple of years, no matter how well it could have gone, there were going to be questions because you can't go from where they were to having like a darn near complete roster by your third year. It's just, it's just not possible. Um, what you have to do is hope that you luck into a couple of guys being the, the right kind of guys, especially at quarterback. Tennessee's gotten that. So Tennessee's been able to kind of jump the curve a little bit, but you're still going to have concerns. But I think the way that Heupel has sort of tweaked the, the mindset of this program is that they're not going into a season worried too much about what they can't do. You know, that's such a big thing. And that, that, that's what the thing that, that has changed as much as anything during the Hypo era is that, is that stopping, it's that, it's that change from worrying about what other people can do to you and focusing more on what you can do to other people, right? Like you control your own destiny. You're the, the, the master of your own fate. You know, you can control what you do to the opponent to hurt the opponent. And I think that that sort of mindset is something Tennessee still has going into the season. And that's good because there are some things about this team that could concern you a little bit, but I don't think they're worried too much about that. But we got a lot more to discuss about this topic. Uh, we're a little bit slightly overdue for a break, so we're going to step away for just a second, pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, etc., and then we'll pick up right where we left off here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio, joined by Ryan Callahan, Patrick Brown, and Ben McKee. I, I went down, I went top to bottom 
uh, on the screen in the first segment, and I'll go bottom to top on the screen for the first segment. That way everyone except for Pat gets to be first at some point because he's just the meat in that sandwich, and there's nothing that can be done about that because it goes one, two, three, and he's two. I don't know what else to tell you. I don't know of another way to phrase it. That is how it has been phrased. It is in stone. There's no turning back. You guys can give me all the timeouts and ejections you want. You can do all of that you want. At the end of the day, it was said. I laughed about it. And onward we move. However, whoa, 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 whoa. Did you just call Patrick Brown a meat stick? Tony Vitello would be very proud of you. No, no, no. I, I, I didn't, <laughs> I, but I, I, I am, maybe should. I am have. offended. I am offended. I just, I was, that I'm offended. I was going to say you intentionally said he was the meat of a sandwich that's as good as anything he can buy at a restaurant, right? Exactly. That's that's a missed opportunity, Wes. That is a missed opportunity. And I, I tried to claim it, and I couldn't. So uh, at the end of the day, I'm going to give the assist to Ryan on that. We got a lot more to discuss on this episode. Before we do that, though, just a quick reminder, guys, a quick request. If you could go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. That would be fantastic for us. If you're just listening on the website at GoBalls247.com, that's fine. No wrong way to consume this podcast. And if you want to consume it through the best website on all of the internets, you can go do that, and that is totally fine. However, helps us out even more if you go on there on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Google, Stitcher, Amazon, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod. You can find this GoVols 24-7 podcast. We do it for free. We're happy to do it. Labor of love, no complaints. But what helps us out the most, and since we're asking, doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask. Go in there, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, tell everybody that you see, tell randos that you see out there online and in the real world. Tell people about this podcast. Word of mouth, it still works. And people tell me all the time about what they're doing and telling people about this podcast. So it, it really does work. I'm telling you, it works. So please keep doing that. And if you're already doing that, thank you. We love you. If not, I award you no points. And may God have mercy on your soul. Guys, I was thinking about something a little bit earlier today when when Heupel was talking about the defensive backs, right? Uh, you talk about concerns on this team, and I think anyone who was making a list of things about this team, this Tennessee team that concerned them, I think they would probably include the secondary on that list, right? Like, let's just be honest about that. It is what it is. But you think about this Tennessee program in recent years, you know, the past decade or so, a little bit more than that. There have been times where defensive backs who were a little bit maligned or much maligned earlier in their careers, they ended up becoming really good players there toward the end, right? We, we think about all the time about players who, if they can't get it done, go recruit another player, right? Go recruit a better player and plug them into the lineup and go from there. That's how a lot of us, a lot of people out there in society are wired to think, but you know, sometimes players just get better. Sometimes you coach those guys and they were struggling as freshmen and sophomores or even juniors, and then by the end, they're a different player. I'm thinking of Nigel Warrior. I'm thinking of Justin Coleman. Uh, maybe a little bit before that, someone like a Teddy Gaines, someone who in their career was not a great player early on in their career, made some mistakes, thrown in a bit early, a little bit overwhelmed, but by the end of their careers, different story. And I'm wondering, if you look at this Tennessee secondary are there some guys in that group who could become that? Because Tennessee thought about, and a lot of fans have talked about this, and it, it makes sense. You recruit those three freshmen, those, those stud cornerback prospects, and you say, all right, you're more talented. We're going to throw you in because the other guys just plain suck sometimes. So that's what people thought maybe was going to happen. Obviously, that's not going to happen, at least early in the season. I could be wrong. We could all be duped. Pretty sure that's not going to happen. So – 
the guys who are out there are still going to be the guys in the mix, maybe with the transfer and Judy Lally out there a little bit, obviously. But are there guys in that group who could become the next like Tennessee defensive back who sort of salvages their career at the business end? Well, I, you, you, you hope so. Sorry, Ron. He, he didn't, he didn't say if it was me or you. Okay. Um, uh, I mean, you hope so, but if they're, if not, you're going to throw those, those freshmen out there. I mean, that's, that's the difference now. And, and I think potentially those guys have, um, you know, maybe there's been a, a bit of a fire lit under them that there's these new guys coming in to take your job and, you know, you're late in your career. If you want to play this game professionally, if you want to play this game at the next level, you got to start showing something. So, um, I mean, let's just go down the line. Danico Slaughter, I thought he played well at cornerback. I still wonder, is he like really a cornerback? Um, cause he's always yeah. been a safety. I, I think a full off season there should help him feel more comfortable at the position. You know, will he play like it? We'll see, you know, if he gets matchups against, Big guys, fast guys. He's not the biggest guy. He's probably not the fastest guy. So uh, Kamal Haddon, I think, has plenty of ability. It's just can he, you know, and, and, you know, we wonder how healthy he is right now. But, um, you know, can he get it right in the head where he's not talking trash all the time and drawing penalties and, and doing stupid stuff when he's not doing that? I think he can be an effective player. Uh, Brandon Turnage has, has generally played well when healthy. He's just not been healthy, and he is, he's healthy now. We'll have to see how long that lasts. And, um, I mean, is that all of them? Obviously, Jalen McCullough, you know, he is what he is at this point, right? I mean, it's tough to really honestly expect too much of a jump there. But, you know, I think Wesley Walker played well at the end of last season. He probably should have been playing more. Yeah. Um, so you like him. And, and you would think Tamir McDonald um, is going to be better as a second-year starter because he was first time in, in the lineup last season. So Warren uh, Burrell? It, uh, you know, Burrell, yeah. Again, a guy that has played a lot of football. He's maybe not a great playmaker, but he also kind of does a good job of keeping everything in front of him. It's not going to make mistakes. It's probably why he plays. It's probably why he's going to play. So, um, you know, that's that's the urgency. You know, you want to see what urgency kick in with these guys and whether that be because there's some young hotshots here to take your job or because you realize that, you know, you got one year or two at most to uh, set yourself and your family up if you want to play football beyond this, uh, beyond Tennessee. So um, that's what – you hope for Tennessee, but you know, you gotta, they gotta go out there and do it. And, and that's obviously a big question and we won't know till the season gets here. I, I think this camp has been good for Tennessee at that position because I, you know, whatever you can get out of that group, I, I think they're a lot closer to, to getting that out of them because you've had so much legitimate competition. Uh, if those guys weren't playing well, they had alternatives. And it's the first time they've really had that type of situation where they, they have the luxury of not starting Warren Burrell if he's not one of their five best. They have the luxury of not starting uh, a, a guy like Brandon Turnage, who's waited his turn and still might not be in the starting lineup to open this season. So it's a, it's a good situation. And then behind those guys, as you said, Patrick, if they're not ready, they could throw those freshmen out there, or at least one of them if they wanted to, um, because they, they have shown flashes at times enough to where in the past, there were probably some Tennessee teams where where a Ricky Gibson might have might have been a starter from day one, or or at least in the mix for a starting job. And on this team, that's not really been much of a discussion because they had so many guys up there. So I think that's that's made everybody better. You know, iron sharpens iron, and they've 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 had a pretty good camp overall. And from from the reports I've gotten, you know, we'll see if this is just practice field stuff that won't really carry over much into games. But I I get the sense that they have been a little bit improved. You know, I, I don't know if it's the night and day difference. I don't know if we should be expecting this group to suddenly turn into a, a, a secondary of all SEC players across the board, but it's 
it's still a group that uh, has uh, some guys that have played well at times in the past. You know, like like Patrick said, when Brandon Turnage gets a gets a chance, he tends to play pretty well. Um, Danico Slaughter had some really good moments in a in kind of a small sample size last year after after moving to corner. Uh, and, and from what we've heard, or at least from what I've heard throughout camp, he's been the guy that's kind of been the the consistent presence with the first team defense. When there's been someone that, who's rotated out at cornerback. It's been Kamal Haddon more often than not. So I think Slaughter is kind of your de facto number one corner, or at least that's how Tennessee it views does, him it does seem going that into way. the season. Yeah, it does seem that yeah. way. So I think there's a lot of belief in him, and, and, and like Patrick said, a full offseason at that position uh, has, has made him feel like a cornerback, and, and he's gotten even better there. So I, I, I think that is a, a position where someone, you know, I don't know if Slaughter could fit the description of what, of what you were saying, Wes, because he did look at least pretty good in a small, uh, in a short sample size last year uh, but at the same time you know he, he's uh, at least a little more of a of a known commodity who's who's played good football i think people would be a little more surprised if a jalen mccullough out of nowhere you know had had a great season and took a yeah, big step he, but would, I think he, there are he would guys. be the one who fit the bill right because turnage is a guy who yeah. has played pretty well when given opportunities he's just always been a little bit nicked up you know right so i think you're more likely to see that kind of jump from some of the corners but i do think the cornerback situation is healthy enough where i i won't be surprised if that group actually shows some progress i think you know we've been talking about them all offseason as kind of this group that you know has to improve because they were ranked near the bottom of the country in pass defense last year and that's all fair but i i think they played well at times and, and showed you at least flashes of 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 competence and i think this year given that it's kind of a make or break year for a lot of those guys I, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of them played pretty well. Uh, you know, I think there could be some real progress there. Yeah, and, and Wes, I, I I don't know that Jalen McCullough is is the answer to, to the question of who who is the guy that can maybe finish his Tennessee career uh, on a high note, uh, similar to Theo Jackson uh, recently. I, yeah. I, I just that was another one two. I definitely should have mentioned. My bad on not mentioning Theo. That was not a T. So yeah, go ahead, Ben. My bad. <laughs> I, I I just kind of think number two is what number two is, and, and we'll, we'll see if a, a guy like Andre Turrentine is is able to supplant him. Uh, I, I I like what Jalen McCullough brings from a, a leadership standpoint. Everybody in that locker room respects him and, and listens to him. He he has a very very loud voice. He, he in my opinion, and obviously I am no defensive back analyst. Or, or talent evaluator, he, he just doesn't seem to have the athleticism to to cut it in this league. So does somebody like an Andre Turrentine, who who has a ton of athleticism, how how quickly and how much is he nipping at the heels to, to overtake Jalen McCullough? So I, I just kind of think number two is what number two is at this point. Uh, I think the the answer to that question of, of who who really comes on to, to finish their, their Tennessee career I think that's number four, number five, Warren Burrell and, and Kamal Haddon. Th- those are the two that, that I'm looking at and I kind of think are, are going to have really solid years. I, I don't think they're all SEC players. I, I don't think that they're they're NFL players. Maybe Warren Burrell because of his athleticism yeah. and link. Yeah. He, he, he physically is exactly what NFL teams want in a corner. Bigger body that, that, is, that is really long. Um, and they seem to have had really nice off seasons, both of them, Burrell and Haddon. So I, I, I don't think that they're as bad as they have shown in the past. I also don't think they're all SEC players. I think they're somewhere in the middle. But if Tennessee can get them to be somewhere in the middle, like I think that they are, 
And you pair that with Gabe Judy Lally, who is a, just a, a nice veteran presence opposite of Danico Slaughter. I think that's a, a really, really nice corner tandem. And, and I kind of do agree with Patrick's thought. Like, you look at Danico Slaughter, and, and he doesn't really look like a corner. He, he looks more like a, a, a strong safety out there ready to, to thump somebody as, as he did against Kentucky last year. But I, I also kind of think that that's maybe more of a, a question when it comes NFL time. I'll, I'll be curious to see what position the, the NFL plays him at. I, I think he showed well enough that, that he can play corner. And, and not saying that Patrick doesn't think this. I know Patrick's a big believer in Danico as well. But uh, I, am. I, I what's that? I am a slaughter. I, I'm a I am a Danico slaughter fan. Well, if, I, if you don't, if you don't, if you're not a fan of somebody with with the last name Slaughter, regardless of how much <laughs> production they have, I mean, you you have other issues that you're. I think have he's. To deal I think with. he's just a. I think he's just one of those guys you want on the field because he'll he'll make something happen. Absolutely. Whether, he, whether he's knocking you, knocking somebody out, or making a play on a ball. And I think he's going to take a nice step forward this season as a corner. Again, I, I think is he a safety? Is he a corner? Maybe a star guy, nickel guy. I, I think that's more of a question for for the next level because of how big of a body he is for that position. Uh, but Willie Martinez said that they're not even touching him in practice. He's staying at corner. That's what he's working at. And, and he's super confident and comfortable with that right now. So I say all that to to kind of go back to Wes's question and 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 point like I the the position that I am most concerned about with Tennessee going into the season isn't the secondary. I'm I yeah, it's a little nerve-wracking to kind of know what they have been the last couple of years and it's kind of the same group of guys that are looking to take a step forward. I, I'm not saying that that's not nerve-wracking, but the left guard situation is my biggest concern of of this football team going into uh the season. And again, I did say earlier that the the scheme of this offense can can maybe hide some things there and I I really do believe that. But my my simple thought there is I think that they have more SEC caliber bodies in the secondary to piece it together than the left guard spot does. I, I'm not very confident in, in just simply the bodies at that left guard spot. I don't I don't know that they're SEC caliber, quite frankly, and and I'm very curious to see how that plays out because as great of an offseason as Joe has had, as great of a season as as I think that he is going to have. I mean, the, the interior of the line not being what it needs to be can can quickly make life very difficult on Joe Milton. Well, and, and that goes back to sort of my my big question about this secondary is is whether Tennessee will be willing to finally take advantage of the fact that it has some depth at that position. Will they actually be willing in a game where, say, Jalen McCullough just looks like he's overmatched against one of the top teams on your schedule or something? Will they be willing to put him on the bench in that situation? If a cornerback is having a bad day, will they be willing to take someone out and put in someone someone behind them who, who looks ready to play and that they want to try a different combination out there? If they're not willing to take advantage of their depth, I'm a little skeptical that we're going to see significantly better results. But because they do have alternatives, if they show a willingness to use them, I think they can be a much better secondary this year and get better results because, again, they do have competition. They do have depth. Now let's see if they're willing to use it. I think at cornerback they've shown at times that they are. At safety, that's where I'm a little more skeptical that we're going to see them rotate much or change things up if they are getting bad results during a game. Yeah, I think to the answer to the question that I was asking originally, I, I think Burrell would be my pick for a guy who I've just kind of always thought that there was a good player in there 
Um, doesn't mean he's always played well. He's had some injuries, had some bad games, some some really tough games. If you watch film, I mean, he, he has. You can't – the film doesn't lie, right? Like you see sometimes where he has really struggled. But physically, he has all those attributes that you really, really want. And as a guy who I think has the right mentality, the right mindset for it, I, I just – I would not be surprised if he had a better season than a lot of people are thinking – and I think with Slaughter, to me, he looks like a guy who you can lock him down at corner this season, and then he might go through the process or whatever and see what his options would be after this season. But maybe he comes back next season and you slot him at safety where he might be a better prospect, and then those young corners are ready to go out there and play. Maybe that would be a potential scenario to look at. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think I am – I don't know whether I'm more concerned about the O-line or the secondary. I guess I would say secondary based on just just history. But I think to Ben's point, the situation there at that interior, those interior spots, that is a concern. And I think it's a concern for a couple reasons. One of them is I think this Tennessee team might rely on the run more than it has in the past. I think they really like their running backs. I think Jalen Wright's a fantastic player, and I think we all know Jabari Small's a gamer, a guy who can go out there and do what you need to do, not just a touchdown vulture. He's a guy who gets tough yards, a guy who has some quick feet, can do some things. And then a guy like Dylan Sampson is you know, a very, very, very talented, very fast guy. And then you got some of those, like someone like Selden who could maybe be in the mix too. I think they like their running backs, and I think at least early, early in the year, as much as everyone loves Joe and what kind of player he could be, I don't know if they're going to want to say, Joe, go throw it 40 times from the very beginning of the year. I think they would like to have more balance. I think they would like to um, really, really run the ball. And if you're, but but if you have some problems there at the interior line spots, it's a lot harder to run the ball when you're in those situations. I mean, you 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 take for granted what Tennessee had at offensive line last season, not just right, but with Carvin too. I mean, and a healthy maze. Like that was a really good offensive line. That thing almost won. What's the award? The Joe Moore Award? Is that what it is for best line in the country? Those those jokers nearly won that award. Like those are good players, and, and I think. If you're concerned about the middle of the line, that could put a dent in the plan. Uh, I, I well, I, they I'm sure they want to be balanced, but I mean, when this offense is like rolling with the tempo, like a lot of that's in Joe's hands. So is Joe going to want to be patient? Uh, I think that's one of the, the things. If you're trying to come up with the game plan of how you're going to defend Tennessee, you, you're going to probably play with some uh, some light boxes early on and, and make this offense and make Joe Milton be patient because you know he's going to want to get his one-on-one matchups and and let the ball fly I mean that's just what he wants to do he wants to show off the arm uh he wants to get those fast receivers out there um and, and let them run under it and so if you play with five you play six guys in the box and two high safeties are they going to be patient enough to just hand the ball off to Jalen Wright and Jabari Small and pick up five yards at a time that's going to be the question with this offense and um, and it made a good point earlier about the offensive line. This offense kind of eases some things um, with the offensive line. I mean, because there's some plays where they're they're running through their blocking scheme, but the ball is out on the perimeter in like a second and a half um, just because the way that they move. Uh, if they've got numbers advantages, uh, Tennessee's offense is really just one big kind of numbers game where a lot of times uh, they're trying to find out where they have more guys than you, and they're going to exploit that. So, And the tempo, I think, too, is, is capable of tiring out defensive linemen and getting maybe some guys that aren't aligned right uh, and that way you can open up a gap and, and hit a nice run so um th- that's a good point that's been made and and you know if you know the offensive line's got to play as one so you know if one group is if one position is a weakness um is that going to make the entire group bad i mean if you've got uh you know left tackle this is some of this talk about 
a left guard reminds me a little bit of some of the talk about left tackle going into last season when we didn't really know what Tennessee had mm. and Gerald Mincy and JJ Crawford because they didn't really hadn't really played a whole lot. I mean, Mincy was the backup at Florida. Um, Crawford was, you know, a guy that got in late from junior college, played a little bit at the end of the season. So, um, and they and, and left tackle is obviously a more high profile position because you're gonna, you know, you're gonna be out there one on one with some of the you know the best athletes in the SEC. So. Uh, the counterpoint to that would be that, that maybe the rest of the offensive line wasn't as good. Uh, it doesn't look maybe as good. Like, is there an all-SEC guy in Darnell Wright? Is there another NFL guy or two NFL guys on this on this offensive line? Maybe. Uh, it depends maybe how, how Don Campbell plays, what Spragans does as a senior, how healthy Mays is. But, um, you know, I, I think it's – it's left guard is 100% a valid concern, but I think it's one that – you know, it's one it's one position of eleven on offense, and it's one position of five on the offensive line. Um, if they had another situation like left guard, and maybe that's at right tackle, where where you know you've got some guys. How how good are these guys? You know, Mincy and Crawford played played serviceable last season, but you know how much better are they? If you've got two weak spots up front, that's hard to overcome. Um, but if they're able to limit it to maybe just one, uh, they can sort of I think limit the drop off the offensive line and keep scoring and putting up points at a, at a really high level. Ben. Well, that's what I was going to point out. The, your last point there is like to to me, it's not just the left guard. Like I, I have some concerns uh, uh, about right tackle uh, as well, and I, I don't know that it's as big of a concern as as left guard. That's why I didn't mention it earlier. And, and, I, I, and you know, we we think John Campbell will be good. I think he's made a really good impression. A lot of a lot of a lot of people in the program I think believe in him. But how, you know, is he going to be able to handle the the Dallas Turners and the Will Andersons of the world? That's the question. One thousand percent. He's looked really good and had a nice offseason, but you still got to go out there and prove it every Saturday. I mean, you just have to. And like right tackle, like I, I don't have a ton of confidence in Gerald Mincy, if I'm being totally honest. And inconsistent, uh, for Jared, sure. which is why Mincy might not, which is why Wincy, Wincy might not start. He's, he's just inconsistent. Like his best reps, he just mauls whoever's in front of him. But he, he has some 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 wolf moments, too. Yes, it needs to be more consistent Monday through Friday, uh, in my opinion. Uh, and the reason that I, I think you continue to hear uh, about J.J. Crawford, who is not an NFL guy, in my opinion, but the reason you, you continue to, to hear him kind of be the, the starter at, at right tackle possibly is because, yeah, he lacks those NFL tools or whatnot, but he, he's he's going to do what he's supposed to do on any given play. He's not going to have a missed assignment. You're not going to have to worry about his attitude and, and things of, of that nature. So uh, right tackle, I, I just kind of think is ho-hum. I don't know if that's a, a good thing or a bad thing. I, I think kind of both. I, I think on one hand, like you, you don't want your offensive line to to be on a highlight reel most of the time. Like typically that, that means they're, they're getting their butts beat uh, on any given play. But I, I just – there's a couple of question marks uh, along the offensive line, uh, and we'll see how it plays out. Um, but left guard in particular sounds like a, a spot that is by far the, the biggest concern. And I, I do think it is because they they lack SEC bodies at, at that position. And, and that's just my personal opinion of kind of seeing guys move around and, and just looking at the, the state of, of that position. Uh, and they certainly need Cooper to, to come back and, and be healthy and, and stay healthy uh, to, to make the interior of the line as strong as, as possible. Now, Ryan, to, to end on a positive note with this offensive line unit is, is that after that first scrimmage, it was like, whoa, boy, 
this whole line may be a little further behind than we anticipated, but kind of since that first scrimmage, it seems like they, they picked it up, you know, a, a decent bit and, and really had a, a nice finish and, and did improve uh, the, the final week or so, I guess, of training camp, which that's the direction that they should be headed in at this point. Yeah, I, I think that's that's fair, and that's that's what you would expect because they had they had a couple of weeks to sort of settle in without Cooper Mays to to sort of figure out what might be their best, or at least to get a couple ideas of what might be their best five if they were to, to forced to play without Cooper Mays to start the season. Um, so I, I think they are farther along there, and again, I, I think we we will see over the course of the season how that unfolds. But it does, I think, give you a little more comfort knowing that they've sort of played in practice the last few weeks with what might be something close to the worst case scenario for this offensive line. I still think the the depth at tackle could be a, a concern too, if they were to have an injury or two there, but they at least have a third option there that I think you feel pretty good about. Um, so the, so the one that you're precariously thin at is center and they've now dealt with, with an injury there to, uh, to, to sort of give them a, a, a little bit of a run through of what, what to expect in that scenario during the season. Now I, I'm with you, Ben. I think my biggest concern about that offensive line is left guard, but I, I, I'll, I'll throw this out there too. I think, I think Cooper Mays himself might be a concern now. I think the time he has missed, um, I think you know that he can handle, he can handle the tempo. He's a smart guy, a smart player. He, he's going to get by and be fine. Um, but I, I wonder now about the time that he's missed. How much work has he actually been able to do while he's been out? And say he misses a game or two at the start of the season before he's ready to play let's let's say he's not ready for the opener and, and maybe they hold him back for to be ready for the florida game or something like that if that's if that's the situation you know is he is he fully ready to go um by the time he comes back or is there still is he behind from a strength and conditioning standpoint because he's not been out there he hasn't had contact during during preseason camp all that stuff i worry about that a little bit for a guy who's not a mauling center to begin with to that make him even even a little bit less of a of a of an overpowering center there uh, in the middle of that offensive line it's it's something that i that i've thought about i don't know that it's going to be a big deal maybe it's uh maybe it's overthinking it but i, I think with the time that he's missed it's something that's at least a, a possibility that you've got to consider that that you know there might be at least some rust to knock off there that could carry over even into the games where he's back on the field how Ryan is it that Ben tried to end this thing on a positive note by talking about the offensive <laughs> line being better than Ryan goes, actually, I'm going to counterpoint that with here's something that might suck that we haven't that's, discussed yet. That's the what? wet blanket counterpoint Callahan all in one. It's well, it's rare when you get them, but it's a, it's a, well, it's not a treat when you do. Yeah. I don't know how any of this equipment's working right now. It's been covered by the wettest of blankets. So, well, Ben was trying to Ben was trying to force me down a positive uh, storyline without knowing where I was headed. So, you know, I, I I addressed it and then I and then I pivoted. I think. Well, what? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Wes. No, I, I think it I was, could be. A I good... was going to pivot back to positivity and ask you because I think <laughs> this is a fascinating question that kind of popped into my head earlier when, when Patrick was was talking. Is like I, I think there are so many receivers that they trust and have had had a, a, a strong camp, and the same can be said at that running back position. To to I I forget who said it. To be honest with you, maybe it was your, you that said it, Wes. But that that they may try to run more than than this offense typically w- would would like to, and not that they're an air raid like everybody on the recruiting trail likes to make them out to be. But I am curious, like how they're gonna 
disperse the football uh, amongst the receivers and, and the running backs and, and even Jacob Warren and, and McCollin Castles here and there. So do we think that the running backs or, or the receivers are, are going to get the ball more? Because Jalen Wright's being talked about like he's an, an NFL running back, and rightfully so, not not trying to say that that commentary is, is misplaced, but we all know what what this what these four receivers are capable as as well so i i kind of wonder like to me it's like okay the the passing game's clicking in the first quarter it would be hard to to go away from the passing game if if you want to be a little more balanced in the second quarter and then also vice versa like if if the running game's really working in the first quarter and jalen wright's got it going like it'd be hard for me to to go away from from jalen wright to get the ball to dante thornton and, and brew mccoy as well yeah, I, I think they're all good. They're all going to eat. It's this offense, what it does. Yeah, I think the the biggest storyline, the final point that I have before getting out of here is I I think that it's been alluded to a little bit in this episode, and I think it's it's when we're think, thinking about like the most important storylines of the season, I think a potentially huge storyline that we've not really discussed much because it's kind of a you know it's not like it's a given. But I think it's a, it's at least a concern to me. Will Joe Milton? You know, you talked about the 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 keys he has to the offense, right? These these plays where he's making the read, he's making the call. Do you take the five six yards in front of you, or do you go for the home run? Will Joe Milton try to make up for four or five kind of tough years with every throw that he makes? Like, will will he go in? Will he be able to kind of read? the the situation for what it is will he be able to take the five six yards when they're there will he be able to do those things make those check down throws you know will he do those things or will he try to use that big arm and make up for four or five tough years with every throw that he makes and I think that to me is something that I have no idea I'm fascinated to see how he does it because I don't think it's going to matter the first couple weeks but it it will matter shortly after that like can he can he keep that thing under control and make those sort of smart business decisions for the offense? Well, he's well, got to hit the he's got to hit the layups, Wes. I mean, yeah. that that was the big mm-hmm. difference. Just looking at the end of the of of you know the two starts he had last season uh, in that Vanderbilt game, they had guys running wide open like literally every play. It yeah. felt like I mean, and he probably missed five or six touchdowns just from awful weather. To be fair. Yeah, and and yeah, um, I mean there there were some throws he had you know squirrel wide open early and he threw it five yards out of bounds, you know he missed the play to Fant where they ran a little pop pass and Fant would have jogged in or yogged in if you will yogged in soft um, J soft J um, and so and then you saw him hit those against Clemson right he hit the big one to squirrel to set up the second touchdown maybe um, and then the one to Keaton where Keaton put a double move and was ten yard you know was ten yards by the guy those are the ones you got to hit like. You know the, that this offense is going to get guys open. You know you have some matchups where guys are going to get a step or two, and you've goes the ones you got to hit. Um, and you know that's a good point, Wes. Is he does? It's kind of like we kind of we both kind of made the same point where it's like Joe's going to want to do Joe things, but yeah. in some games, in some moments, um, and maybe that's what Heupel's talking about in some of the situational stuff where he said that that Milt needs to get better is he needs to understand, you know, when to hold the ball, when to throw it away. And an extension of that is going to be when to give the ball to Jalen Wright because you've got six blockers against six guys in the box, or if they're creeping, if defense is creeping a seventh guy in there to you know pick your matchup and um, and take a shot. So that's that's you know they put a lot on the quarterback in this offense. It's that's something that Joey Halsey has talked about a lot going into the camp is that that Milton's different in a lot of ways. He just kind of understands the game now better. But you know I think there were times in the Orange Bowl where maybe Joe got a little greedy. Um, and Hinton did it too. I don't think Hinton was batting a thousand, and 
you know, giving it when he should have given it and, and, you know, trying to make a play down the field. So uh, when, when they had maybe an advantage to, to run the ball might've been the better decision, but um, yeah, I mean that, that to me, Milton's got to hit, he's got to hit the easy ones. He's got to make the ones that are there. Um, he, he's going to hit some of these big money throws where guys, you know, he may, you know, a guy makes a play for him, but it's when those guys are, are going to have steps or are going to be open that you, you've got to hit them in stride. You've got to hit them in a window You've got to put the ball where it needs to go, and it's not necessarily just the the forty yard, fifty yard bombs. I mean, if if you know if Brew McCoy's got a got a man beat, got position on a slant on third and six, you got to make that throw. Um, and and those are the questions that, that you have about Milton. And again, I think we kept saying it. We're I think it was the point of the preseason where like, all right, we got we we talk about all this stuff. Let's let's go see it. Yeah, I think uh, it's I, like I, if you, if you have like a if it's second and ten. And you have like a ninety percent chance to make a seven yard play, or like a thirty percent chance to make like a fifty yard play, or twenty percent chance to make a fifty yard play. You probably need to make the the seven yard play, set up third and short, move the ball along. You, you can't just yeah, take home chicks, runs. Chicks all. dig the long. Ball. Chicks dig the long right. ball, and 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 Joe Milton's best throws on film are some of the most fun you'll ever have watching highlights of deep throws in this game. I mean, he's just got arm talent that you will never see maybe again uh, here. But 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 it, it it's it's like. Sometimes you just have to take what's in front of you, and I wonder if he's going to do that. I, I actually have more – I mean, just based, again, on what we've heard, I, I, I have more belief in him going into this season in that area. I, I think he actually has taken steps in terms of knowing, knowing which throws to make, just sort of how to, how to be the leader of this offense than he, than he did certainly two years ago, but even last year. Uh, you know, I, Everything we've heard is – he has made real strides in, you know, again, understanding the game, reading the field. My, my big question about Joe is, is less about whether he's going to make um, the right throws. I think we already, again, saw signs of that in the, in the bowl game. It wasn't perfect, but he, he, he was able to take some off and, and make the, the, the shorter throws, the mid-range throws, and, and take what was there. So I think he's going to do that more often. My question about this team is, and, and it sort of plays into the offensive line question too, is are we going to see more plays where, you know, say Hendon Hooker was able to escape trouble and turn a yeah. potential sack into a one-yard, two-yard gain, turn disaster into just an okay play and live to see another down? Is that going to be an eight-yard loss under Joe Milton? Is he going to learn to throw the ball away and get rid of it quickly when he sees pressure? Is he going to see blitzes quickly enough to understand he's got to get rid of the ball? His pocket awareness is to me about as big of a storyline as there is about his performance this year. I think he's, he's shown he takes good care of the ball. He's shown he can make any throw on the field. It's all about to me what he does in those first two or three seconds and does he get rid of it quickly enough and assess things correctly when making a decision on what to do. I think those are fair questions. Ben, you're, you're unmuted. You got anything else? I, I saw that uh, you, you, were, uh, you, you were looking like you had something to say, Ben. You got something to say? Uh, n- nothing particular. I... I agree with everything that you all just discussed with with Joe Milton I I would hammer home the the point that I, I thought Ryan was really going to hammer home is is that I think the biggest question mark is just can he display the the touch on, on those intermediate passes can consistently I, I almost think that in the past because he didn't have that confidence in terms of the the touch on the short to, to intermediate passes I I think that maybe led to him throwing the deep ball when he shouldn't just so he maybe wouldn't have to try and make a, a little bit more of a 
a difficult throw over the middle or, or something along those lines. I think that's the biggest key for Joe to have success uh, the, this season is is just consistently 20, 25 times a game showing that he can put touch on the football. And maybe 20, 25 is a, a little too much. But if, I, if, if he's throwing 25 passes in a game, I mean, all – all 20 completions or 18 completions, they all can't be a deep ball. I mean, that, football doesn't work like that. Uh, he, he's going to have to consistently show that he, he can make different throws, uh, both for, for this offense to have success and also to help his draft stock as well. But to, to Ryan's point, like the, the, you, you, we've barely heard any negative about Joe Milton this entire offseason, really even going back to, last training camp i mean there's barely been any negativity that you hear about joe milton but if there, there's the one thing that you can maybe nitpick just a little bit and, and i hesitate to even bring this up because folks will kind of like to jump on joe's back at time and, and really harp on it maybe too a much more than they way should. too much i think yeah yes but the one negative you hear a little bit about is is that maybe he's holding on to the football a little longer than he should here or there. So that pocket awareness that Ryan just discussed, I think that's probably equally as important as consistently making those intermediate throws that, that I discussed. But also, like, the last time you, you, you heard about him maybe holding on to the football a little too long was at least more so the first scrimmage than the second scrimmage for me, and that was when it was rainy. Uh, none of the top four receivers played. Cooper Mays did not scrimmage that day. The offensive line was getting its butt whooped. So I, I wonder if if holding on to the football was more a product of of the environment and the the circumstances that will not exist in a game in terms of being down your your top four receivers. Uh, like I, I wonder how much that contributed to him holding on to the football compared to him just struggling in that area and holding on to the football too long because he he's not doing what he needs to do. That's the thing, though. It's uh, it's a blank slate, right? I mean, it's it's here, guys. It's one week away, right? College football games will be played this Saturday, and Tennessee will play the Saturday after that. So, I mean, it's 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 basically here. Camp is over. It's week time zero. For, West, get it game together. Preparation football is here. It's not almost here. It's here. Week zero is a is well. Is it's, alive. Here, it's here it's in a few ride, days. And I'm ready for Hawaii and Vanderbilt, baby. Yeah, is uh, is the world ready for that though? That that's what I'm. Let's let's uh, let's pause and take a moment to the time where Ben said, "Oh my bad, Wes, you can go ahead," and proceeded to continue talking. That was because that was a flex. That was that was a flex. That that was I noticed it and I appreciated it. Oh, go if, ahead, Wes. If, if uh, I, well, I think yeah. If I, if I was wearing a cap, I would tip it because it was an impressive. Wes flex. said the same thing at the same time, which is why I just continued the talk so we didn't dance back and forth. I, I do not want to dance with with Wes Rucker over there so he said the well, same he, thing at the same time so I just continued to talk shows you shows dance. you shows he what you dance. know uh, he's it's on video somewhere yeah I'm dressed we, like uh, we, Hugh we, Jackman from the greatest we, show we raised like we raised like seven figures for East Tennessee Children's Hospital and I think now with everything that my family's had to uh you raised seven no figures no we everyone everyone, who, else. Everyone, you and everyone everyone else everyone who was in the competition we did it together you contributed six figures and everybody else contributed but one. now actually with 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 uh I think in nine days away Hank will be having the fifth of maybe his sixth surgery, so I think I might have 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 given them seven figures myself by this point. So <laughs> it's it's sort of like okay, yeah, here you go. If I didn't pay you before, I'll pay you now. But happy to to do that because East Tennessee Children's Hospital. I will do anything I can for those wonderful people as much as I can because they are 
the absolute best. So, uh, but hey, guys, season college football is here. It's a blank slate. It can be filled with great stuff. It, it could be disappointing. It could be thrilling. It could be both. Um, who knows, right? It's here, though. It's as Ben said, it is here. It's almost, you know what time that means it is, guys. It's almost prediction time. Yes, it That's, is. That'll be coming up maybe, pretty soon. Maybe not our next one, but one of our next couple podcasts will be talking about that, I guess. Yeah, we've got, no, we've got 12 days are going to do fr- it. Predictions are going Friday, so it'll be, well, I don't know. And we'll have to have some. We'll e- figure it out. Maybe not Friday. Yeah, e- either then or around then, we'll have to have a complimentary podcast uh, ready to go for that, too. So we will have well, the, those go predictions. Go ahead and put me down for 15-0, and 0, baby. That's what I, Pat I is on record. Already, I can already tell you what two of the records on this podcast will be. I, c- I can tell you two of the four. Uh, Ryan will have Tennessee going 6-6 six and six or 7-5. Yeah. and five. <laughs> yeah. It depends on how he's feeling. Yeah. Yeah. On the day that he how makes wet the, the blanket prediction. is that day, yeah, yeah, it depends on if it, it got a little dry in the dryer or if or if he had to re, restart the cycle. Uh, and Patrick will one thousand percent predict twelve and zero. I mean, all he does is look oh, at the logos yeah. on the side of the helmet uh, and, and go with the drama of the storylines. And and Tennessee's balls by fifty. Yeah, get a W. Well, no, what Ryan will do is he'll say nine and three in the written one or whatever, and then say ten and two in the podcast version. So that doubles his chances of being right in the long run. That that's what that's what he'll do. That's my prediction. I, I we we had a, we had an accusation of a homer, a wet blanket, and a fence rider all in a span of thirty seconds. I think it's time to time to put a wrap on this one. We've covered yeah. all the bases. We've covered all the bases just, now. We've said I everything we, we can get say to Ryan. This prediction at this point. Yeah, you'll get it. You'll get it. You'll get it whenever, uh, whenever I'm damn good and ready for you to have it. You will, uh, you will have it. Just like uh, the Cardinals will have loss after loss after loss for the rest of this baseball season. Guys, thanks for being here, all three of you. Seriously, thank you, and uh, we will be back again here pretty soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Wes. Bye, Wes. Bye. Hey, he said it this time. There's that button, and now I can say. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want 
that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys.